Welcome to NCBA's Cattleman's Call podcast with host Lane Nordland. Well, hello everyone and welcome back to the Cattleman's Call podcast. I'm your host, Lane Nordland, and today finds us under the big skies. Truly, out under the big sky. It's a little cloudy today in Bozeman, Montana, but Trent Johnson with Gridley Hatworks. Thanks for joining us here today. Thanks for having me. It's great to be up here in big sky country. It is. Beautiful. It's beautiful. It's a little dry, but hey, we are at the Gatlin County Fairgrounds. We have the Bridger Mountains in the uh, foreground there, and I tell you what, it's been quite a few days. Uh, Today's podcast, we're going to talk about Trent and and Gridley Hatworks, but uh, just to reference where we are broadcasting at today, we're actually at the third Art of the Cowgirl event. NCBA is a great sponsor of the event. Um, Tammy Pate, wife of Kurt Pate, of course, with the stockmanship and stewardship events that NCBA hosts. Uh, it's been a great event with folks coming from all across the nation, Trent. It has been. You know, it was one of those things when it got moved from Arizona in January, we were just kind of wondering, you know, how it all was going to play out. And then, you know, having to, having to move it to Montana ended up being a really good call. It's a it's a little bit different event, but not in a bad way. It's uh, a whole new different set of um, eyes and horses, and it's great to be able to meet new people and share new experiences. Well, and everyone here is wearing a lid, and a cowboy hat is just a part of the rich heritage. Whether you are a cattleman or woman, or you're just an enthusiast of the Western lifestyle, and Trent, folks see you all the time at different state association conventions, possibly, and at the NCBA trade show. You really never have a minute to spare because you are so busy at those. Yeah, no, those those events are always great, and you know, it's it's really fun. I've been with NCBA since 1998. It was their 100 year anniversary. Um, I was commissioned to build um, 100 pure beaver hats for that event, and we've just been great partners ever since. And to be able to uh, share a little bit of Greeley with everybody, we're in a great uh, county of Weld, and just to be able to take that all over the country and share our experience with all of these uh, cattlemen and cattlewomen and ranchers, and just to be able to share stories. And, um, you know, lots of times it's, it's about sharing situations. Some things might be working in some states that aren't in other states, and that's why it's so great that we're all able to get together. Well, and with that, Trent, as I mentioned, so many folks see you shaping hats and on the trade show floor, and uh, maybe they visit your website or they come into the shop in Greeley. I, I've never been to the shop in Greeley, but uh, I will someday. That, that's one of my on my uh, one of my goals. But h- how did you get your start as a hat maker? I mean, I, I I mean, I have lids, so many lids everywhere. I can't shape one to save my life. Um, that's why I just admire people that can shape, but I even more admire folks that can make a hat as well. What, what sparked your interest? How did you get your start in this business? Well, you know, it was one of those things I kind of joke that I didn't choose the hat life. It kind of chose me. As a young kid, I, I had a hat collection. Uh, the year Epcot Center opened, I saved all my vacation money, and I bought hats from all the different countries. I bought a fez in Morocco, a pith helmet in Africa, uh, beret in France, and I, you know, some of those hats I still have in my collection. And you know, it really just came from, I guess, really a passion that I didn't know I had. Anyhow, um, the folks, uh, Susie Orr, that I apprenticed under, she had the hat shop, which was actually founded in 1909 by two Greek brothers. I'm the fourth hat maker to own it, which means Susie was the third. I apprenticed under her, but the hat shop was in about 600 square feet of the barn on the ranch. So I lived and worked on the ranch while I was going to college, and every spare minute I spent in the hat shop. And, you know, during calving season, we'd go out and, and 
pull a first calf heifer and then wash up and go back into the hat shop. During the summer, you know, we'd be irrigating or fixing fence, and we didn't even have summer hours because we were so busy on the ranch that um, people would make appointments. So, you know, when we go in for lunch, there'd be people waiting, and we'd take care of the hat shop stuff and then get back to work on the ranch. And so I was an apprentice for three and a half years. I've owned it 25 and a half years now. Um, so that puts me at 30 years, which my kids like to say I've worked there for over half of my life. Um, and it's probably just because nobody else would ever hire me. I'd, I've tried to get fired, but nobody's ever hired me either. So that's kind of where it all started. And, you know, it's just kind of it's it's grown, I think, because of the quality, the customer service and the experience. There's lots of places to buy hats. There's lots of good hats out there. There's other hat makers out there. But I think what we bring to the table um, is a lot different. We also do a lot of giving back, whether it's, you know, the Weld County Food Bank or NCBA or all the state associations or even here, Art of the Cowgirl. We had a uh, uh, an experience that we sold last night at the auction where Greeley Hatworks is actually flying the person in, putting them up, feeding them, and they get to help and design their own hat. Never done this before. I mean, I've done it with my wholesale clients that come in for what we call Greeley Hatworks University. Yeah. But we've never done it with, I guess, like the general public. So we're really excited. And that brought almost $5,000 at the auction, which is going to help out the fellowship here. So that's one of the things that we truly pride ourselves on is being able to give back to the community, not only locally, regionally, or on a state level, but even if it's just giving back within a culture. Uh, you know, that's what's been great. I've got some great collaborations going on with um, – Thunder Warrior Society, which is a, a, a Southern Cherokee um, association where we're building their hats and part of the pr proceeds are going to help youth on the reservation and also working with a great new company. Well, not, they're not a new company. Our partnership is great. Teton Trade Cloth, again, working with indigenous people and designers. And I'm working with uh, Hunter Old Elk, who is the curator of the Buffalo Bill Cody Museum. And again, it's my passion. It's my art to be able to create, but then to be able to help other people. It's just, it's, I, I can't believe this is what I get to do every day. It's like not work. Well, and when we jump back to the conversation with cattlemen and women, there is an expected quality in, in what they buy or what they make themselves. Obviously, when we look at our cattle, there's quality there. When we look at our leather goods, there's quality there. And when we look at our hats, we take great pride in our hats. And uh, when, when we travel, uh, whether it's leadership within NCBA or just ranchers going out on vacation, when we're wearing a hat, we get noticed. And we take great pride in that. We also take great pride in not letting the airline stewardess offer to put it up in the overhead bin. That happens to me all the time. Right. But uh, when we look at the quality of your work, where, let's start at the, the, the pure basics. Where, where do you source your fur? How, how does that process get started? How do you make the felt itself? And uh, let's maybe walk uh, through how you and your team there in Greeley uh, complete the process. Sure. So um, we build a few different qualities. Um, we don't use any X's in hats, as you probably know, and hopefully I'm, I'm sure a lot of, uh, of the listeners know as well. There's no really industry standards or government regulations when it comes to X's. So we are one of the few that will tell you exactly what the hat is made out of. We, use, uh, we don't use any wool. We don't use any rabbit. We start at the mid-grade with a European hare. That's H-A-R-E. I'm not running around London collecting at barbershops. And, uh, and then uh, uh, European hare blended with beaver and then pure beaver. So when it starts, let's talk about the beaver, for instance, is that's still um, trapped and traded on the open fur market. 
and it's actually probably the less vol volatile of all the furs because when when fur is in fashion china buys it up yep. so, and they buy up the lower end stuff so it doesn't affect us quite as much but it goes through an almost 300 step process of the felt making of uh, heating it up cooling it down wetting it stretching it pulling it kneading it before it ever even comes to us and once once we get the bodies they kind of look like big fuzzy bells uh one size fits nobody uh, kind of like a jed clampett looking yes, deal yeah and we start there, and we start with what's called a finger blocker. Our finger blocker was made in uh, the 1950s in Italy. Uh, we actually just got a new one custom made in Germany by a great maker there. But that's where we start with with the hat body. But before the hat body, we need to measure your head. You know, So we use an old-fashioned conformateur and vermilion. That was invented in Europe in 1843 by Ali Millard. Ours is built around the early 1900s, and it gives us a one-sixth size scale pattern of your head that then what we'll do is we'll cut that out and put it into the vermilion. That makes it life-size, and that's what we're going to do to cut the sweatband to the exact shape of your head. Once we do that, we'll actually cut it out of cedar and give you a copy of your head to be able to store in the hat. Um, you know, lots of guys and gals are infamous for keeping that darn hat on their dashboard, which is not the best thing. But this way, with your head literally in the hat, there's not a lot of room for that hat to shrink up. Once we do that, we'll go over colors and qualities and styles, and then we'll find the appropriate hat block. Now, everything we used was built about between 1850 and 1950, minus a few new pieces that I just spoke of. But everything, especially the in the process that we do it, is still old school. And so what we'll do is uh, we'll, we'll take that hat body, we'll steam it up. As you steam it, the fur starts to soften and get malleable, and that's what we'll put into the finger blocker to be able to uh, start to push the crown down and pull the brim out. You have to think of the fur kind of like God's Velcro. Every piece of hair has little barbs on it to grab the other piece, and that's actually what makes beaver so much better. If you think about where a beaver lives, it lives in the water, so and the, its internal organs are facing down. So that's why that fur is, is more resistant to weather and water. It's to keep that animal alive. And that's why we use only the finest belly hair. There's different grades of hair, like there's different grades of leather or steel or 300% markup on wood, yeah. right? Yep. So what we'll do is we only use the finest belly hair off the beaver. And when we start building your hat between the the pressing, the ironing, the sanding, all the finishing, sewing. We've got about six to eight hours in one hat. But that's over the course of a week because there's so many heating and cooling processes. A lot of these big companies do a great job, and they, I mean, they help the industry immensely. Some of them build up to 14 dozen hats a day. <laughs> dozen. We build about between 25 and 30 hats a day. Again, it's about quality, craftsmanship, and customer service. So from the two-inch roan hand-readed leather sweatband to the satin to the pure beaver uh, hat body, all of those things is what help that quality. And kind of like you had mentioned before, you have to look at the hat kind of like a tool. And the fact that a feedlot cowboy rides a horse every day, he doesn't go buy a cheap work saddle. Nor should he buy a cheap hat because it is that. It's just a tool. I have, I've got guys that we built hats for 18, 20 years ago, and we're still renovating them. 
So that's what makes a big difference. Well, there's nothing worse than when uh, it's raining and somebody's wearing a store-bought hat and that black you know, on a black hat and it starts running down their sides right. like they spray painted their hair you know it's right color, either but. that or they'll put on one of those um i don't know i don't know if i could say, they put on those like those big plastic covers i just kind of call them hat condoms oh. you know and it's one of those things that if you have to protect your hat from the weather you didn't buy a very good hat and uh you know we look at this process and especially so when, when i was younger my dad used to trap a lot of beaver we um, would harvest a lot of coyotes predator control several hundred a year and and, and beaver are just so labor intensive when you are harvesting them and skinning them and stretching them so he he kind of got past that because the beaver market kind of went downhill right. quite quite a few years ago but uh they're still a nuisance on the ranch so you got to trap them so i have great appreciation from the harvesting of wild beaver all the way up right. and, and to, to the end product of a Hat possibly and you know with that with that beaver and the the entire beaver there's sometimes before the hat industry had has been growing so much that the hair was actually a byproduct the leather is used in the fashion industry the tail is used in the fashion industry and sometimes eaten now please don't look this up on google but the glands of the beaver are used in perfumes and flavorings yep. and many many things that you really shouldn't look up because it will it may change your dietary uh, <laughs> consumption but you know it on, on a on a standard pure beaver hat it takes between six and eight beaver to build one hat wow so when we look at the brand Greeley um, obviously you talked about quality but I just want to bring up an example from yesterday that you showed me a video of two young ladies that were saving up every dime they had to be able to buy a Greeley hat. Um, but what what emotion does that spark in you? And maybe describe that situation because I actually was there when they had first come up, and they were I could tell they they were a little emotional there too. Um, and uh, I, I got out of your hair so you could uh, service your client, but just share that experience. You know, I mean, that's what it's about. Is it about the experience and being able to not only accommodate them, but whether it's a cowboy hat or a fashion hat or anything, the first thing about designing for me is listening. So being able to listen to these young ladies and talk about how passionate they were about our brand, that, you know, again, then you kind of turn the, the notch up a level. And, and the fact of, of being an engaged listener and fitting it just the way you want. And sometimes you have to take about, they might say 20 things, and you have to take all of those 20 things, throw them into your design funnel, and let it come out the very bottom. There's sometimes, like on her hat yesterday when I started working on the brim and putting that MJ pencil roll on the end, on the edge, I didn't know I was going to do that until, like, right then. It just kind of hit me. And just so happens, we call it an MJ pencil roll. Well, her son's initials are MJ. And then that brought up even more emotion, you know? So... it. It's just being able to take care of the customer who it usually ends up becoming a friend. Yep. And that's what I love about NCBA. There's lots of times, you know, people get tired and or frustrated that sometimes we've got a line and stuff because it's, it's, it's not just like I'm going to measure your head and, and you're going to move you on. You know, I've, you know, since 1998, I've created great friendships and relationships and partnerships and I have to take that time. Well, no, let me rephrase that. I don't have to take that time. I choose to take that time. 
Well, and that's uh, one thing about trade shows is uh, when uh, my radio broadcast partner, Russell Nimitz, and I, who Russell works on Cattleman to Cattleman, when we're at a trade show for our Western Ag Network radio brand, everyone wants to come talk. And it's just like, I, I'm going to come, I'll come find you at the bar somewhere else. I got to get my product done. And I and just to not offend anybody, because like you said, you create all these friendships over the years and you're shaping hats. You're trying to, this is, that's one of your big days, being able to get those orders in, get the hats, hats shaped. So I totally get that. That, but it is it's all about the relationship building especially in the agriculture western lifestyle community those uh, relationships last forever lee smith who is riding here i met her through buck Branneman and carolyn hunt at the legacy of legends down in texas years ago the pates everybody dean fish who of course oh, is dean, one of your yeah. brand ambassadors i mean just great people that uh, you can call a friend and you can walk up and not see them for six months or a year. You can pick up where you left off. Right. And some of those cattlemen on my way here are texting me, saying, praying for me, saying, hey, I hope you have a, a safe and blessed trip. These are guys I might only see, well, except last year, uh, yep. normally see maybe only once or twice a year. But it's, it's like when you see them again, that kind of gives me goosebumps. But when you see them again, it's like time had stood still. And it's like it hasn't been a year. Now... Obviously, at the Art of the Cowgirl, the foundation of this event, the vision that Tammy Pate had was create funding for fellowships for women of all ages to pursue a an art or uh, some, some type of trade or skill that they'd like to advance for themselves. And uh, I, I tell you what, just being able to talk to individuals that have gone through the silversmith fellowships the um, saddle making, the the braiding, everything is just so great. So when you look at maybe this opportunity with fellowships or teaching that next generation or just anyone in general that wants to get into this career, uh, what's your bit of advice? Where where I mean, obviously they got to start shaping hats first right. <laughs> somewhere and really learn how to do that. But what is your tip to a young producer out there that maybe uh, still wants to be involved in production ag, but maybe wants to have their own little niche in something like hat making? Well, I, I think the, the key to that is, again, relationships and being able to be a good communicator and not being afraid to fail. I, I often tell, I, I don't know, I would say I coach other young and up and coming business leaders, but I guess I kind of do. But usually what I, what I try to tell them is in this, besides learning to shape hats or anything, um, you could learn more from my failures than you can from my successes. And the thing is, they're not really failures because I learned from them. The only time it's a failure if you, is if you don't. So for me and helping my business grow um, was being able to kind of step outside of the hat box, if you will, and take some risks, but also surrounding myself with so many good, smart people in their own little small fields. Now, back in the day, could I do my books and my website and yes I could do all of that but you know what I'm good at people I'm good I love selling I love people I love making hats so that's where I focus my energy is by surrounding myself with good smart people wherever I need them to help me succeed now obviously in the cattle business there's different shapes of hats out there um, uh, whether, you know, in the north there's a little bit different cowboy type of hat and you get kind of Nevada, Utah, there's a buckaroo hat. You get further south into feedlot country. What, uh, 
What was your learning curve on trying to take your opinion on what a hat should look like and what the customer's shape, what the shape that they wanted? Well, I think lots of times it's kind of like the customer is always right, but seldom is the customer correct. <laughs> and, you know, I learned this with, you know, with, with Cattlemen, but also working with, you know, where the official hat of Miss Rodeo America and all that, where every girl wants their hat to look like Jordan Tyranny this year. Yep. That's cool. That shape looks great on Jordan. It might not look good on everybody. So the thing is, is to be able to listen to them, what they're using it for, where they're from, and being able to modify it to fit them, but still fit in. It's a fine line. Well, that's one thing. I got. A, I have a pinhead. So uh, that's a <laughs> compact brain. <laughs> And so the other day I, I was looking for a new straw, and uh, one was shaped pretty good how I like it, and I put it on. Well, it was like a five-inch brim, and I'm like, oh, I might get blown away up here in Montana. So we had to go f find an unshaped straw to, to get that done. But um, throughout the years, what are some of the how the different styles have maybe changed over, over the, the decades that you've been out there? What has been the biggest change that you've seen in the Western world when it comes to felt hats? Wow, that's a great question. I think when it comes, if we're mainly talking about ag and cattle industry, um, you know, definitely the width of the brim. When I started 30 years ago, a four-inch brim was huge. And now you got you got these West Texas punchers and yep. like five-inch, they're like, I want it bigger. And I'm like, wait, there's this thing called gravity. <laughs> you know, so the other thing I've noticed is that it's more acceptable for women to wear hats. Yep. Yes. And not just cowboy hats. It could be fashion hats. It could be Western-inspired fashion hats, outdoor-style hats. So I'm kind of, I find myself alone a lot of the time in that I don't build just a specific hat because I love hats so yes. much. Yep. Well, that's just one thing, especially at your booths, just to see you shaping those different styles that people want. And, and bringing that up, like like my wife, she grew up on a farm and ranch, and, and a few years ago she goes, I want a cowboy hat. So she went and got herself a hat. I didn't approve of it. And I and finally she got one that, that looked good, you know. Right. But I've had to learn as a husband, just let her get whatever she wants and, and let the, the rodeo cowboy rancher cowboy just not, not I'll, I just let her decide what she wants nowadays and, and get off of my high horse because, you know, that that's one thing that I've learned going to rodeos. You see someone and they're wearing a hat and like, oh, it's on backwards or it's not shit. But you know what? They... They want to embody what we're all about. Right. And I have had to step back and say, don't be a jerk. Because they, they are, they're wanting to be a part of your lifestyle, whether it's rodeo, whether it's uh, the ranching aspect of things. And that is what's so great about the Western lifestyle is people love to embrace it. And as we are a small population, we shouldn't be making fun of anybody that wants to emulate that. Right. You know, and there's lots of times pre-COVID, I go to the... Uh, European championships, reigning championships in Croit, Germany with one of my retailers over there. And the way they have embraced uh, our Western culture. This fall, I'll probably be heading over there again to a, a show, believe it or not, happens every other year. And it's the hugest Western show in Europe. It's called Americana. I have never seen so many proud Europeans wearing American flag t-shirts or having a American flag bandana hanging out of their back pocket. My first year there was really hard. Uh, my We were in Italy, 
My client is from Germany. I'm from America. So we had translators that could speak all three. And I really found myself, and my first few times when I was in England as well, I found myself really not selling as much as I did storytelling and teaching about the American West and about different qualities and not just hats. I'm, I truly feel like I'm a brand ambassador for the American West in the fact of, you know, from the cowboy boot, the jean, the belt, the buckle, the spurs, everything. And so once, instead of just buying something now, a, a lot of uh, our retailers over there are asking for better quality stuff because really because of the internet. People are so much more educated so quickly. And that kind of goes back to the style thing. I sell more Nevada buckaroo styled hats in Switzerland than I do in Nevada. And that's not a joke. I have two dealers in Switzerland that are Nevada buckaroos. One of them, uh, they're both saddle makers as well. And they, they love the American West. They love the quarter horse. And they love everything we do. So to go over there, it would have been easy to make fun of... You know these all of these people wanting to be American cowboys and so forth. At one point, I thought there was an earthquake, and I walked out the doors, and there were like two thousand people line dancing to "Ache Your Breaky Heart." <laughs> but you, I mean, isn't that amazing? How I'm not saying that's the you know everything Western, yep. but you have to start somewhere. Yep. Well, and it's also a great way because if these people want to be you know, emulate cowboys, dress like cowboys or cowgirls. They also want to be eating great USA beef. That's right. That's right. And, you know, I'm, I'm glad things are opening back up and, you know, exports are going better and so forth. But it's one of those things is to be able to tell that story. And so when we do our Greeley Hatworks universities, we have lots of people. It doesn't matter if they're from the United States, Germany, Australia. Then one of the things they say is, so explain the feedlots. And we'll drive out to Five Rivers Cuner lot. And they are amazed by how many cattle are there and how well taken care of they are. And they'll say, they, 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 I like this question. It's like, so how many do you think this feedlot holds? And they'll kind of look around. It holds half a million head. And like trying to wrap your, your European brain or maybe you're one of my retailers from California or Iowa that it's still half a million head and the and you know we'll drive by the beef plant and the Laprino cheese factory and JBS headquarters and you know it's just amazing at how everything has come full circle to where it's not just about the look as they get more educated it's about the lifestyle it's about the quality of the food it's a quality of the protein and the beef and how we actually care for them and it is sustainable you know, uh, coming up with different hat styles or discussing that, uh, I just enjoy, you know, my, the, the styles that my great-grandpa wore. You know, the short little brim. Right, little fedoras, yeah, and cattle buyers. Yep, yep, yep. And, and back in the day, all these ranchers up there, you know, they'd be loading their Hereford <laughs> yearlings onto the rail cars, and those are the pictures, obviously, our family has, and it kind of takes you back, very nostalgic. And I'm like, I don't know if I could pull one of those off, but I think I'm cocky enough. I, I know I could. Well, but no. I, I think you could, but, you know, that's one of the things, and, you know, Kurt Paid is not a tiny man, so I don't th think anybody he would judge him. Pers I've built him several of kind of, we call it a Johnson County, like that little two and three quarter inch snap brim yep. cattleman crown where it's snapped down on the front, a little roll on the sides. And it's funny how many times I run into Kurt Pate in airports pre-COVID all over the country, and here we are, and he's that's like his go-to travel hat. And 
you know, it's just amazing how once you have that confidence of wearing hats and you have that self-confidence, everybody looks good in a hat. You just have to find the right yep. hat. Yep. And, uh, you know, there's been a lot of young cattlemen's conference classes go through Greeley uh, Hat Works. Our class did not get to go to the shop back in 2016, but I know the last class, I believe, did, uh, what was that, 2019? 19. Would have been the last yes. class that, obviously, due to the pandemic, and and uh, I know they were in hog heaven uh, being able to go through there. Uh, what What is your overall goal with, with a person that comes in and purchases a high-quality Greeley uh, hat? What, what, what is the one thing that you want them walking away with, knowing that they can come back and have that hat reshaped or clean? But what is that number one thing you want them walking away with out of your shop? Besides the great experience and knowing we stand behind our product, I would have to say it's that I want them to use it. Yes, it's beautiful. Yes, it fits great. But don't be afraid to use it. That's why you bought a good quality hat, because it can take the abuse. And you can brush it up and take your wife to town. It's just... To, please, please use those hats. They're not a decoration. And I know a majority of people here at Art of the Cowgirl at NCBA, it's part of their lifestyle. It's not a decoration. So to be able to use it and know that it's going to hold up like that saddle or those boots or those spurs, that's what gives me a lot of satisfaction. Now, of course, you'll be at the 2020 Cattle Industry Convention. That will be down in uh, Nashville. <laughs> uh, but if folks can't make it there, how can they learn about Greeley Hat Works online or, or about coming in the shop there if they're in the Greeley area? Yeah, you bet. We're on the World Wide Web at GreeleyHatWorks.com. Our toll-free number is 888-F-O-R-A-HAT. And you can always find us in Greeley, 2613 8th Avenue. Come to the mothership. Come hang out. Let us give you a tour and show you what we've been talking about today. The other cool thing, it's in beta testing now. I'm hoping to release it in August, is a fit kit that we could ship to you to get, instead of just, I'm not worried about size as much as I am about shape of your head. That's what really makes a difference. So we are so close on being able to uh, be able to ship those out starting in early August. And so to be able to get those people that might not be able to come to NCBA or Texas Cattle Raisers or any of these places where we are. You know, we also have five retailers around the United States that have the Greeley Hatworks experience. They have the conformer in their store. They can help you pick out everything. And those are those are on, uh, listed on our website as well. So you don't have to come to Greeley. There's lots of other great places where you can still have that Greeley experience. Well, again, Trent Johnson, our guest here today. Uh, as we mentioned, you can check him out if you're heading down to Nashville, if you're tuning into Nashville, as the slogan is. Uh, I'm excited. Kix Brooks is going to be the MC for the opening session. And I'm like, well, I might have to use my podcast way to be able to at least meet Mr. Kix. And, yes. Uh, because uh, there's nothing, no better memories than growing up in that 92 Chevy pickup of Dad's, putting the Brooks and Dunn greatest hits in yep. and going out and, and doing things out in the countryside. Yeah, that's going to be exciting. But, uh, Trent, any last uh, just comments or anything you would like to share with our cattlemen and women out there? Just uh, it, It's been a tough go. We got drought. Uh, cattle prices in the marketplace, we know that is an issue that uh, NCBA is continuing to work on. Uh, just anything you would just like to share with them here today? You know, I, I am always proud to ride for the brand and help preach how sustainable, healthy, and safe our beef in this country and that we ship around the world is. That to me is huge. You know, we had a we had a tough go in Colorado with our no meat day. Yeah, meat out day. Meat out day. Yep. 
And there were a lot of people that had these big protests and everything. And, uh, you know, me and some of our other friends decided, you know, protesting isn't really, that's not how I feel about it. I've had other friends that said, like, I'm leaving this state. It's crazy. Well, that's not what I'm about. My thing is about education. So I love that, you know, I've partnered with uh, Five Rivers Cattle Feeders, and they have their uh, beef sticks and backpacks for back-to-school stuff. So that's really where um, we want to help is to really to – it's not educating that young consumer as much as making it I, – I mean this – respectfully but kind of not really is i want to dumb down the story in a coloring book so that the parents read it yeah. <laughs> well and and again it's all about having a dialogue with these and because uh, some people they read exactly they believe what they see on facebook or instagram but uh, i i just think it's so great coming back to the point that you as a master hat maker are still an ambassador on behalf of the beef industry. Your examples of being in Europe, opening up that door for dialogue, seeing what people are craving overseas or across this nation, wanting to embrace the Western lifestyle. I, I truly appreciate that, and I know our cattlemen and women out in the countryside do as well. Um, again, check them out on all the social media sites. Trent, anything else you want to share before I let you get back to the booth and, yeah, no, and take just, an orders? Just remember, ladies, you always keep your hat on. Men, take it off of the table, leave it on in the bar, and treat it like your sweetheart because your hat is as unique as your signature. And here it comes. No, question. no, no. Yeah, that's uh, we were going to wrap this up, but that that that's always the question I see on Facebook is somebody saying, well, there was cowboys in, in the restaurant. They didn't take their hats off. And uh, I take my hat off whenever there's a place to put it, like especially at fine dining or anything. I always take it off. But if I'm like at a bar stool or like, you know, a, a table a high, top, top. high top, there's nowhere to put your hat. Right. And I don't want to get it unless you can put it. And that's just my respect for my hat. Sure. And I always feel awkward about that. What? So is your take the same or so is it always take it off? Normally when you're sitting at a high top, that is in the bar type area. Yep. Again, take it off at the table. Leave it on at the bar. Definitely. Well, I'm glad. I, again, I'm glad we're kind of on the same page there yes. too, because that's that's always one of the biggest debates. And, and take your spurs off when you come in the house or the bar too. I don't need to hear you coming in after you were team roping or working cows. Right. I, I can tell how you were. But <laughs> hey, well, Trent Johnson, thank you so much for joining us again. We are having this conversation at the third Art of the Cowgirl. Uh, we're going to try to have another conversation down the road. It's probably not going to happen during the event with uh, uh, Tammy and Kurt Pate on on this great event. They, they're just too busy. I don't want to bug them. They are running around, and what an amazing event, and the fellowships and the fellowship. Yep. That's what makes it so much fun. Very, very true. And, hey, and we, we talked about Dean Fish. Well, Dean and Kurt uh, will also be down at convention, as always, uh, right. with uh, the, the demonstration arenas and uh, uh, stockmanship. So, again, one of the great aspects of the convention. That's actually one of my favorite areas is, 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 right. the, is the demonstration area there because um, I, I can afford to watch that. Right. And, you know, the <laughs> other one that I know he would love to be here, but he is always so busy, is the Todd McCartney. Oh, Todd. Helping out how over did there. I? Holy cow. Uh, how did you, I miss Todd? You did not miss Todd. We miss Todd, <laughs> but we can't wait to see him in Nashville. Yeah, it's going to be fun. It, uh, t that 2020 convention feels like five years ago at right? this point. And uh, that's one of my best parts is going into the, the back room, having breakfast and lunch with those 
those guys and, and watching them do their work uh, when we're all working there at the, the Cattle Industry Convention and the NCBA Trade Show. But, hey, check out Greatly Hatworks online. See him at the conventions, and, and when you see Trent and his crew, go up and say hi. Don't bother him too much because he's busy there. I love to talk. <laughs> I think you kind of figured that out, but I love the relationships. I love hearing what's going on in everybody's lives, and with a hat or without, I love the, the cattle industry, and beef isn't just for dinner, but it's for a healthy life. I couldn't have said it better myself. Well, friends, thanks for joining us for this conversation on the Cattleman's Call podcast. I'm your host, Lane Nordland. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for tuning in to NCBA's Cattleman's Call podcast with Lane Nordland. For more information, visit ncba.org and make sure to subscribe to the podcast today.